0: The reading is from 1 John, chapter 1, starting at verse 5. This is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, he will have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world.
1: Well, thank you so much, Hannah, and to Robert and Judith for praying and for reading our passage this evening that's what we're going to explore now together but well it would be pretty hard wouldn't it to imagine the royal family without the queen wouldn't it i mean that family really is all about her and you know all of those other members of the royal family are i guess only part of it uh, because they're related to her and in fact It's pretty hard, it's pretty unthinkable to think of that family without the Queen. I know it's kind of flawed a bit that even if the Queen goes, another will take her place. But in essence, that whole family is about her. And everyone, a part of that royal family, has their titles and their roles, all because of their relation to the Queen. And well, do you know if it's hard to imagine a royal family without the Queen... I'm sure it would be pretty hard for us this evening to imagine a church without Christ or to imagine Christians without Christ. And yet, do you know, in this letter of 1 John that we're reading together in our evenings, well, that is the real danger that John is warning this church about, becoming a Christless church, a church where Christ isn't the focus and the foundation of people's faith. You see, last week we began to hear, didn't we, that there appears to be in the midst of this church that John is writing to those that are teaching the wrong things. We see that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. John says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And it seems like the way that these, we'll call them false teachers, these false teachers in the midst of this church are trying to lead people astray is by moving people away from the importance of knowing and trusting the Lord Jesus, saying almost you, you need something else apart from him. We see in chapter four, verse two of the letter, that people are even saying in this church that Jesus didn't even exist as a man, and that it's not even, he's not even real, as a man. And so the real danger for this church is that it's becoming a Christless church that is wandering further and further away from the Lord Jesus away from trusting him completely and wholeheartedly. And John at the end of his letter he he writes just how devastating that would be, why it would be so devastating. If you look at chapter 5 verse 12 and 13, John says Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know this evening, this danger of wandering away from Jesus, of of becoming, I guess, less Jesus-focused... I guess this is still a huge temptation for us today. You know, I wonder even in these extraordinary times that we're living through at the moment, there's a temptation where actually our eyes start to be very distracted by other things. And we stop looking to Jesus as our primary focus. We look at everything going on around us. And actually, maybe we start to mistrust Christ. Maybe even starting to place our confidence in other things, other people, maybe even in ourselves. And that's why as we go through 1 John over these evening services together, I pray it's going to be a real encouragement to us because it will encourage us to see why it's not just important, but why it's crucial that we hold firm to our faith in the Lord Jesus. Why, as we'll see, John explains that to wander away from Jesus is to walk away from everything that he's accomplished for us. And we don't need to go anywhere else. We don't need to do anything else, but rather trust in the Lord Jesus. And as we go through our passage that was read out to us this evening, I've just got two very simple points that I hope will be easy for us to remember. They're easy for me to remember anyway. The first one is claim, claim. You see, in our passage, as you read it out, you might have noticed that John, he writes two claims that I guess people in this church he's writing to are making. The first one is in verse six, if you, if you look with me. John says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, it seems like there were those in this church that John's writing to that claim to have fellowship with God. They they claim to be in a relationship with God. They claim to love God and to honor God. And yet they had a very different life behind closed doors. And John says, well, a Christian cannot be someone that claims to love God, claims that God is their king, and yet act and behave in a completely different way. I guess it would be a bit like someone speaking at a a healthy foods conference, claiming that, well, they have avocado on toast for lunch every day. And yet in actual truth, when they left the conference, they're straight to McDonald's to have a Big Mac and strawberry milkshake. Claiming that we live one way when our actions actually prove that we live in a completely different way to the one that we claim. And I'm sure maybe if you're a bit like me at this point, as you read through this passage, well, we might begin to feel a bit uncomfortable because suddenly we begin to examine every part of our lives. And we're thinking, well, I fall down all the time. I mess up all the time. Am I not in fellowship with God? Am I walking in darkness? If that's us this evening, we'll, we'll see later on that John makes another claim that I think will be an assurance and an encouragement to us. But you see, the person that John is describing here is not those striving to live in godliness, those who love God and yet often fall short. But rather he's describing someone that believes that we can enjoy fellowship, a relationship with God, and yet live however we please at the same time that says, I love worshipping Jesus, I love talking to Jesus, and yet he's not my king. And John says, if that's the case, well, we're actually lying. We're lying to ourselves, we're lying to those around us, and we're not walking in the truth. But you know, there's another claim that John in our passage makes and shows us, and that's in verse 8, if you look with me. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You see, here's the other side of the coin that John shares with this church, because it seems like not only were these false teachers claiming fellowship with God, and yet living in a completely different way, but they're also claiming, it seems, that they're sinless, that almost God doesn't have a problem with the way that they've lived and they are living. You know, sin is that heart, really, that heart that hasn't loved, that hasn't honoured or obeyed God as, well, he's worthy of being treated, the one who's given us every breath. And, you know, John is equally keen to stress how wrong that claim is by saying, well, we deceive ourselves if we think that that's true. You know, Charles Spurgeon, he was a famous uh, preacher who existed long ago, but he said these words. He said, he who cannot find water in the sea is no more foolish than the man who cannot perceive sin in his members. His point being that to say that we're without sin, to say that we are sinless, was the craziest comment that we could ever make. And maybe we hear something like that. We hear that word sin and, and instantly our barriers come up. We hate that word sin and we hate that the Bible calls us sinners. But, you know, this is one of the most foundational truths in the Bible. Firstly, that God is pure. He is holy. He's, as it says, without sin. that's what John is describing in verse five of our passage with light and darkness. But that is what God is like. But. The other truth that the Bible teaches is that, well, we're the complete opposite. We're full of sin. You know, I take one look at my own heart and I see that reality all the time. The way that I've treated God, the way that I treat others around me. Do you know, it's interesting. I I once read someone's description that was very challenging to me of what sin was. And I'll read it out to you. This person said, sin is the glory of God, not honored, the holiness of God, not reverenced, the greatness of God, not admired, the power of God, not praised, the truth of God, not sought, the wisdom of God, not esteemed, the beauty of God, not treasured, the goodness of God, not savored, the faithfulness of God, not trusted the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, and the person of God not loved. It's very challenging to me. Maybe it is to you at home this evening. And yet, you know, as we begin to view sin in those terms, Well, there's not much else that we can say, well, other than we fall well short. And we certainly can't make the claim that some were making in this church that we are not without sin. In fact, John says in verse 10 that if we claim this, then we're actually making God out to be a liar. And it says his word is not in us. And yet, do you know this truth that John is speaking to this church and to us this evening, whilst it's not great to hear, whilst it's hard to hear of the reality that the Bible shows us. Do you know, just like a doctor's diagnosis, whilst it might be hard to hear, whilst it might be uncomfortable and whilst it's the last thing we want to hear. Actually, it's only when we hear it that we're then in a position that we can do something about it that we can find the rescue that we desperately need. Do you know, again, that, that man, Charles Spurgeon, that I quoted earlier, do you know, he says again this, he quotes, he says, before we can hear you are forgiven, we must be able to say, I have sinned. And so in our passage this evening, so far this evening, we've got two claims. First, Claiming that God is pleased with the way that we live, even when we're living and we're refusing to live his way. And then secondly, the claim that, well, we're not sinful at all. We're sinless. And well, John shows us that both of these claims, if we're making them, well, we're deceiving ourselves if we think like that. Claim is the first point. But secondly, and finally this evening, confess claim and confess. You see, right the way through our passage, next to the two wrong claims that John points us to, he also points us to the answer, the hope that we desperately need. And you know, also, he also shows us how each of us this evening can go away tonight, not plagued with guilt, not with a false sense of security, but rather with an unshakable and certain peace of forgiveness, You see, John pauses in the middle of our passage tonight and he stops saying, if we claim, and then he starts to say, if we confess. And, you know, that change of word from claim to confess, it makes all the difference. John says, uh, chapter one, verse nine, look with me. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you know this is the heartbeat of what John wants to communicate in our passage this evening? That if we confess means to recognise our sin, to recognise just how far we have wandered away from God, how far we have fallen. If we recognise that we're sinful, we're, we're not sinless as some were claiming, well, get how, look at how wonderful this is. This is what John says if we do that. it says, if we do that, incredibly, we're not met by a God who is longing to bring judgment upon us. He's not there waiting to pour out his wrath. You know, some might think that that's what God is waiting to do. But rather, what does John say that God is waiting to do if we do that? Well, maybe surprisingly to us this evening, it says we are met by a God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. He washes everything away, washes away all the guilt and all the shame that we have ever done. And how incredible that John says that God is just in doing that. Do you know, that's the bit that really jumps out to me as I was preparing this passage. He says, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And yet I was thinking surely pardoning guilty people is the complete opposite of justice, isn't it? I mean, if there was a judge that was here in the UK presiding over a court case that we heard was pardoning guilty people, well, we would say that that judge is unjust, not just. And yet John promises that all who confess their sins to this God. Well, God is just and faithful to forgive them. How can that be? How can God be just? Well, John tells us, if we're thinking, how can God be just? Well, John says, remember Jesus. Remember what he's done. Look with me at verse seven. Look at these amazing things with me. John says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And then again, in in chapter two, verse one, look with me. John says, my dear children, I've written this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. How is forgiveness possible this evening? How can forgiveness be guaranteed? How can we have lasting and certain and unwavering peace of forgiveness as we go to sleep tonight? Well, John says, because Jesus has paid the price, he says, through his blood, Shed on the cross on our behalf. He says it's through Jesus being our atoning sacrifice. That word atoning, it, it means the wrath removing sacrifice. He, he takes all of God's wrath at our sin and he, and, he, and he takes it from us. He bears it on himself. And John also says that Jesus is our advocate in heaven. And so when we sin, well, there is Jesus before his father and he's our advocate, it says. And he's before the throne saying, it's paid for. I've died for him. I've I've died for her. Their debt is paid by my blood. Do you know, this is the wonderful assurance that John brings to us this evening. And do you know, it encourages us this evening that if we're claiming to be right with God, but we're rejecting his rule, Well, we're not just walking in darkness, as John says, we're not just deceiving ourselves, but actually shows us we're making a mockery of what Jesus has done on the cross. We don't see what it cost for Jesus to bring that incredible forgiveness to us. We're not living in a right response to this incredible act of love. We have to respond in the right way to this incredible love that's been shown to us. And John says we need to be brought to a place where we recognise just how far we've wandered away from our father. In order that we might confess and therefore be made right before him. And yet I wonder also on the other side this evening, do you know if we struggle tonight with assurance if we struggle maybe with a besetting sin that deep down we long, we, we could remove, we long to change. And yet in this earthy body that we live in, we struggle and we lose the battle at times and we struggle with assurance. Would you know, let our confidence tonight and our focus be who John wants it to be, Jesus And, you know, to treasure these incredibly assuring words that drive us to Jesus's side, that remind us that Jesus doesn't offer just part of the answer, but he is the answer. And to know that each time that we come before him and we confess and we recognize just how far we've wandered, well, those amazing words are waiting there. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, you know, this is why this evening, that there can be no such thing as a Christless church. That's why this evening it's so dangerous that our eyes wander away from looking at the Lord Jesus, that move away from treasuring Jesus. But, do you know, for many of us this evening, this is nothing new that we've been talking about. We'll probably say it's foundational to understanding what the gospel is all about. But even so tonight, do you know, these words that John has brought us this evening declare the greatest news that we could ever hear. And, you know, I don't know, but certainly as I get older, each year that passes by and the more that I understand more of God's word and God's heart, well, the more that this is a treasuring and a staggering act of mercy the more it blows me away more and more the more these words and the more Jesus is a greater treasure and the more I pray that that would be the case as I go on in days and so I constantly need to remind myself do you know as Rico Tice says on a Christianity Explored if you haven't been on he says these words he says I am more sinful than I ever imagined but I am more loved than I could ever dream. And so this evening, do you know, as we prepare to enter another week of lockdown, would well, you know, let us, as a church family, hold Jesus at the centre of our focus this week. Let not our eyes be wandering or distracted by anything else, but let us hold fast to Him and to seek His grace and His mercy each and every day that our lives would be lived in a right response to him for all that he has done for us and to treasure those wonderful, assuring words that will be with us all the days of our life, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Isn't that wonderful? What a saviour that we have this evening. Well, do you know, we're going to sing to close and uh, it's a beautiful song that I think ties up so much of what we've been looking at tonight it's in christ alone and one of the verses it's amazing you'll know says till on that cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of christ i live they're amazing words uh, it's going to come up on on the screen and let's sing along together